Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you today? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Glad to be here. Welcome our guests. We are in week three of our teaching series, Unseen. So when you look out at this world around you, what do you consider in your thoughts, your observations as you peep out and view what you might know is the real world? Do you only see the physical world around you? Do, do you give much, if not all, of your effort to that which you can see physically? Or do you observe day-to-day -day life? Do you consider the unseen world around you, the spiritual realms that you live in the midst of, a spiritual being in a physical body, in a physical and a spiritual world? The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, through the beginning of, of verse 19, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, opened, in order that you may know the hope to which he, God, has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, where God's holy people set apart for his good works, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, who believe in Christ Jesus. So that's our prayer of this series, that you would come to realize that there is a spiritual unseen world that you live in the midst of, Every day, in every way, as you're going about life, there is this battle going on, a spiritual battle between good and evil, angels and demons, and God and Satan. In his first chapter of the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul prays and he talks about our hearts being open, our eyes being open, that we're enlightened to this fact. And later on in the book of Ephesians, Paul now, you know, as he closes out this book, of Ephesians, great letter, chapter 6, he kind of begins to call us, our attention in a vivid way to the spiritual battles that are going on. And he pulls chain to a Roman soldier. He's, he's under house arrest. And, and he looks at the Roman soldier, and he's seeing his armor, and he, he paints this picture for us. As he, as, as he speaks to and puts words to the truth of Satan scheming and coming against us, of the spiritual battles that we live in, he also now pictures, paints this picture of us being dressed in an armor. He, he calls out what he's seeing on that Roman soldier, piece by piece, the armor of the soldier, and he then puts it onto us and calls it out as this is what we're to do, each part calling us to a certain spiritual strength and also giving us indication of how we're going to be attacked by the enemy. So let's jump in and look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Paul says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand. We'll talk about this, to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on, the sal put on salvation as your helmet. We talked about that last week. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, 
So in verse 15, Paul talks about putting on our shoes. In those days, they were sandals, right? He's looking at the Roman soldier and what he's wearing. And these shoes are a representation of protection, meaning to protect our will, hence our feet. Make sure, Paul saying, your feet are well protected. If Paul were writing that today, if he was kind of, as we talked about last week, if he was chained not to a Roman soldier, but to a couch on Sunday watching a football game, as some of you are, right? You know, then, you know, then he, would be not, he would be saying, not put on your high heels or not put on your nice, you know, slick-soled sneakers. He'd be saying, put on some cleats, right? Put on some cleats that you could dig in and stand firm, right? So this is the armor. In verse 14, Paul talks about protecting your feet with the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. That good news that protects you. The good news is that Jesus Christ gave his life for you on the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, and that you now can be right with God. You can be united with God for eternity. Now, for some of you, it makes you warm and fuzzy. For some of you, you don't care. It really, some of you heard it so much, what does it mean to you? You're, you're made right with God. I want you to, let's dial this down a bit. Let's talk about spiritual realms, how this plays out. When I'm in a jam, which I get myself into from time to time, more than not, as you know, right? Amen. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, and I got to call somebody. I got to talk to somebody. And I don't call somebody I'm not familiar with. I don't call somebody that I'm not, not in good relationship with. I don't reach out to somebody that there's a bit of a cloud there. I reach out to somebody that I'm in right relationship with. Are you getting me here, okay? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are made right with God, your creator, huh? And so at 1 o'clock in the morning, when things are not well, because you are right with God, you can connect to him and you can talk to him, right? In the midst of that situation in your life, that decision, that uncertainty, that chaos, you are made right with God so you can talk and connect to him. You're good with him. Don't see yourself as you do. Don't condemn yourself as Satan is trying to do. See yourself as Jesus made you by the shedding of his blood on that cross. You have been made right with God, your heavenly Father and your creator, huh? So Paul says to put on that shoes and be willing to stand firm in your faith, in that truth. This is that truth. The good news is protecting you. Is protecting your feet. You see, in those days, the soldiers, as I, as I refer to, they would wear good-fitting shoes because they were traveling on some really difficult, rocky terrain, and of course, they wanted to protect their feet before going into battle, and even in battle, because, you know, if they did injure their feet, hurt their feet, that would be a serious problem for a soldier going into battle because if you're a soldier, your feet is your foundation, Right? And Paul is telling us that you, me and you, we're in a battle. And your feet are your foundation in this battle that we call life. And if your feet are compromised, right, your feet, your will, your ability to choose to, to move forward, to decide, self-discipline, self-control, in here, if your feet, are wounded, then your foundation will be unstable. And if, you're, and, and if your 
feet are wounded, then your, the rest of your armor is significantly compromised, right? Because it's you know, what, when you're flat on your back, when you're on your knees, when you're down on the ground, the rest of your armor might not serve you as good, huh? So your, your foundation, your feet must stand firm. They must hold strong. This truth must protect them of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. The good news will protect our feet, will protect our will, will keep it where God would have it in a place to glorify him. Now the attack, the attack by Satan is to come after. He's looking for bare feet. He's looking for feet that are exposed, that are not protected, that are not dwelling in and saturated with this good news and this truth. That somehow when they hear that, it's kind of lukewarm. We've heard it before. It really doesn't mean much to us at all. Not when they hear that good news, I'm right with God, I can connect. Not there, but in this mediocre place, you're vulnerable, you're exposed. Man, you might have bare feet, and that's where Satan comes in, right? So that he can bring instability to us. That he can compromise our foundation. That we may slip, stumble, and even fall. Now, here at Cheer City, we say, look, if you're going to fall, fall. Fall forward, man. Fall into the loving, gracious, merciful arms of a living God. Yes? Yeah. Fall with me, man. God is there. But it's painful to fall, isn't it? Oh, it is. So we'd prefer not to fall, right? If we're going to, let's fall. Let's, let, let's just repent, trust God, and fall into God. Not run away, not go into shame, not go into regret. But man, let, let's try and stand and not have, let Satan come in and help us slip and stumble and fall, right? So you, you, you know there are these, if you're in construction, have concrete footings. If you watch them pour them, if you're in construction yourself, and it's, it's a lot of goes into that process of that concrete footing. The material, the integrity of the material, the PSI, huh? how it's poured, the, the, all that, because if that footing is not right, it's going to affect the entire structure. Even if one of the three, four, five, ten footings, even if one, it could affect and likely will affect the entire structure, whether it be a single-story house or 20-story building. And when it does, it's often not perceived right away. Sometimes there are problems in the structure of the building that people are pinning on or attributing to something else, and it's actually coming from the footing being compromised. You getting me? There are things happening in your life right now, in your relationships, that you are looking at only in a physical way, that you are attributing only to the circumstances that you're immersed in, right? And you're thinking, this is the problem, he's the problem, she's the problem, that's the problem, and what you're missing is spiritually, there could be a corruption, a compromise of the foundation in your life spiritually, and that is the root of the problem. Because you're a spiritual being in a physical body, in a world that is physical and also unseen spiritual realms exist. Protect and guard your feet with the good news. Protect the foundation of who you are as a human being. God is calling you today. Satan wants to undo, to undermine your finances, your relationships, your occupation. He wants to take you down. But today, stand, huh? God is calling us to get those cleats on. And when, and when he does, he's telling us to do a few things. And the first one is to take a stand. Say that with me today. Take a stand. Satan is out to crush you. huh? If you give him the opening, if you're not 
Stand firm. You're going to go backwards. You're going to get upended. You're going to get tossed to and fro. That which you're carrying in life, which is most important to you, it's going to get fumbled. It's going to get spilled up. It's going to wind up in the hands of your adversary who wants to destroy you. Huh? And why? Just hold. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in the good news of what Jesus has done for you and who he is. Yes? Put on those shoes. You also put on the cleats and you take a stand because what you stand on is important. Yeah. What you stand on is peace with God through Jesus. What is your foundation in life? Right now, what, if you just pause. You know when I say pause, it means you close the filters down, calm the mind, you know. It's virtually almost impossible for me to do, but if I can come close, you might be, you should be able to do it. I think, what, what is it you're building your life on? What, do, what are you living from? I mean, from what base or core do you love, do you care, do you want, do you desire? What is your foundation? What are you building your life on? Because it is something. It is something. And this is what Paul means when he tries to, when he tells us about this peace that comes from the good news and build your life on this good news, this peace. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, man. You'll be so influenced, so swayed, so deterred, so distracted, so depressed, so discouraged. Come on. Build your life on the foundation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul writes this in Colossians, also in prison, by the way, when he writes this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He says, the Son is the image. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus made God visible to us within the depths of our heart, huh? The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, where thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, through him and in him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's what we stand on, the knowledge and the confidence that all of our life is being held together by Jesus. That's, it. That's what we live our life from, this truth. We are not only created by God, we are held together by God. We stand on this. We don't stand on philosophy. We don't stand on theory. We don't stand on money. We don't stand on religion. We stand on that. We have peace with God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Yes, and that right now as we speak, he's at the right hand in the heavens, at the right hand of his Father interceding for us, talking to God on our behalf. He's speaking on your behalf, Shanaz. He's speaking on your behalf, Christy. He's speaking on your behalf, John. And he's saying, right now, John, stand firm. Laura, stand firm. David, stand firm. Stand firm today. Know that I am with you. Paul goes on to write now in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church. The church is not a building. It's not an institution. It's not a denomination. It's a living organism that Jesus, we live and breathe Jesus, yes? He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things. We are made right. There's that word reconciled with God because of Jesus. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, there is peace. And peace is part of that foundation. And it's made possible because of what Jesus did. That's our firm footing. You put your cleats on to protect this. This is your protection. And because what you stand on is important. Another thought is you put your cleats on because what you stand for is important. You put your cleats on because what you stand for is important. I said it three times now. So what you do, what you stand for, is significant and it's important when opposition and trouble and problems come on you in life. When difficulty comes, it really matters a lot on how you'll navigate those troubling circumstances based on what you stand for in your life. If, you know, the first year of my faith, when I was coming, uh, man, I, I just was probably several months. So this fall, it's gone so fast, I haven't really been able to dwell and take the time uh, to immerse myself, my thoughts and my emotions in this. But it's 25 years from when I gave my faith to Christ. This, you know, this past October and this fall is when I started living out my faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. 28, year, 28 years old, living in Brooklyn, poof, I turned to Jesus. Crazy story. Um, and you know, what happened was, in the, come around like maybe early, late winter, early spring, through reading the Bible and, you know, pressing on Paul and, 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 and just talking to God and having conversation with God, it came to me, and talking to those I trusted in and I respected, I came to decide I was going to go to Bible college for a year, just a year. <laughs> That was, that was a long time. That was a, so I was going to go to Bible college for a year from 29 to 30 is when I would do this. And um, at the same time, I had decided that I was going to ask Christy to marry me. We were going to get engaged. I had a big, big night planned. And all this, the background is I'm kind of working. I'm helping a friend who's working with his uncle, you know, and, and he's kind of starting a sub-business of what his uncle's uh, beginning to start now. His uncle's a very wealthy man. And, and, and I would go to meet with my friend in the uncle's offices and be other businessmen, you know, in and out of there. And uh, there, were, there was two men that I believe his, were going into partnership with his uncle for this large kind of, if you would call it rubber recycling kind of plant there in Nassau County, Long Island. Well, a couple of days on a Thursday, I think, or Wednesday, uh, the uncle gets rid of his, he puts his partners out. And that weekend, that Saturday, they had all... Uh, plan to go to this convention in Illinois where they were going to now pick out the machines, create and solidify the relationships, the business, business partnerships, and then come back and now start this business. They had already bought, purchased the uh, commercial properties needed. So these guys are out. Thursday, um, the uncle, Dominic, comes to me and he says, hey, kid, because he called me kid, you know. He said, kid, come here. He says, you know, uh, so-and-so, they're out. You know that. He says, you're in. I want you to be my partner. He said, I like you. You know, you're a good guy. You're trustworthy. You got something to you. I want you to be my partner. And, uh, you know, we'll fly out on uh, tomorrow, fly out Friday, and, uh, you know, we'll come back sometime on Monday. I'm like, whoa. So now, like, the first thing I think of is, I'm supposed to get engaged this weekend, man, you know? I actually already asked Christy's parents. Like, that's a bad start, right? <laughs> yeah, can I marry your daughter? Oops, no, not this weekend. I'm canceling. We'll do it the weekend after. Uh, 
And I think he remembered, and I kind of looked, and he said, what? I said, oh, yeah, I was going to get engaged uh, this weekend. He said, all right. He goes, all right. He goes, no problem. He was, uh, you know, I'll, uh, he knew what I was going to do. He said, look, he goes, why don't you just reschedule it for the following weekend? I'll send a limo. I'll send one of my limos out to pick your, you know, your girlfriend up in Connecticut. She'll, you know, you can have the limo for the night in Manhattan. We'll get you the seats. Dinner will take care of it all. Just, just reschedule it. And, you know, that sounded reasonable, actually, but, but then there was something else gnawing at me. And what was that? How could I be Dominic's partner when I've decided and had a conversation with God that I was going to be going to Bible college? What, you know, and, 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 you know, what do I do here? You know, I mean, I'm 29, going to be going towards 30 soon. I, I've got a, my wife, I'm going to have a wife and we're going to have a family. I mean, you know, that takes money somewhere in there, right? And what an opportunity, to, a significant opportunity. And, of course, at this point now, you know, I, just, I just tell them, I just like, kind of like nod my head and whatever. So by the end of the day, all these guys that are coming in and out of it, like, hey, man, you know, wow, you're in. That's awesome. You know, well, how, how come you, man, your ship has come in and, and uh, just word is spreading, you know, amongst this, you know, that, hey, Dave's in, man. Dave's bonding with Dominic. This is like, wow, it's a big deal. Go home, wrestle, 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 get up, and I can't do this, man. So I, I walk in to his office. I get there early thinking maybe nobody will be there, but sure enough, you know, because the guy orders breakfast every day for everybody who comes. You know, he's like this business hub. He orders lunch every day, right? <laughs> and all these guys are there, I know, like seven, eight, uh, and, I, and I'm walking in, and he's like, hey, so he starts talking about it. I'm like, let me just do it. And I was like, hey, Dom, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go with you to Illinois. So what's up? I said, um, like with no boldness. <laughs> Like looking at, I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to Bible college, you know. He's like, what? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Bible college. I, I, yeah, I'm going to Bible college. <laughs> I'm going to Bible college, so I'm, I'm not going to do the business. And you could just hear, hear, like, I mean, silence, you know. I wasn't angry, just, just stunned, like confusion, just, you know. And, uh, and that was it, you know. I, and, and it was very difficult for me socially, right, it was very difficult for me as I considered financial things. But I took a stand that day because I knew what was important to me. Even in its infancy, I just had this sense, this is what is most important to you. I did have the benefit of still being in the shadows of seeing what I used to be to what I was and being in awe of what God had done in my life. So it was so vivid to me. My salvation was paramount as it always should be, yes, in our lives. By God's mercy, I stood firm. You need to take a stand, yes? Take a stand for Jesus today. And if you take a stand in your marriage, it's going to matter. You're not fighting as much with your spouse as you think you are. And some of you might be thinking, you need to come to my house, okay? <laughs> now, now listen. You're fighting not against flesh and blood, but dark forces, spiritual principalities, the schemes of the enemy. Consider the spiritual implications in your relationship. Don't just look at the physical. Consider the spiritual and where you are in that spirituality and how God wants to work through you as spiritual being in the physical circumstance, yes? Do not walk away, but stand firm in the good news in the middle of your struggles in your marriage, there's going to be problems in parenting. There's going to be problems in business finance. There's going to be problems. I, sometimes I wonder if it's that the problem is we didn't think or really believe there would be problems, right? 
You know, it's like I say, when I, when I do the wedding, the marriage certificates, and I do a few a year, and I have to sign them, I just want to write in like bold letters, conflict, problems, issues. You, I'm giving you a license so you get to have problems, conflict, and issues now for the next, God willing, the rest of your life, right? Come on. And it's how we hand, and, and I think because we're so fixated on how could this be happening? And look at this problem. And we're so kind of caught on that we have a problem. We're not actually dealing with the problem. And then worse, we're looking at the problem like, oh, we have a problem. How could we have a problem? How could two such wonderful, phenomenal, fantastic people coming together from different families have a problem? In a world that's spiritual and physical, and they have an adversary against them, why would you have a problem? And then, they, and then they approach this problem, looking only at they have a problem, from a physical, significantly a physical place, and maybe minimally to almost not at all, considering the spiritual realm that they are in. And not just reaching out to God to make things better or, or just to calm things or, or something to lean on, which all are part of the picture. But, but just doing that instead of saying, wow, man, you know, you are my foundation. I'm standing firm in what you did. I'm going to see my wife, my spouse, my children, my job. I'm going to see it through the lens of the truth that you've given me and what you've done in my life. Huh? I'm standing firm on that first and foremost, and that's how I'm seeing this. There are spiritual implications. There's an enemy in this picture somewhere. There's a God who loves me, and before I even address my wife, my husband, my kids, before anything, I'm going to look at it that way first. Yes? Listen. Take a stand in your character. Take a stand in your job, in your finances. Today, take a stand. Live out your life to glorify God. It says, I believe in Ephesians, in chapter 2, though, that, in, that to, in a crooked and depraved generation, as you hold out the word of life, you will shine like a star in the universe. Wow. There's a young woman who shines like a star in the universe. She's uh, she graduated the University of Massachusetts. She, she born and raised in this area, went to the University of Massachusetts, uh, graduated with honors from the Honors College at UMass, which is a very uh, significant accomplishment. And, and she went there to go into like the health medical field, I believe. But when she got out in the midst of during that time, she started going to a place called the Mercy House. It's a church, you know? And, uh, and they're a life-giving church. They're right on, like right, the campus of UMass ends, and their church is, is kind of like in a large house, and they still run like 200 to 300 people on a Sunday. Isn't that awesome? And it's right there on the, on the, on the outskirts of the campus, right there. And she started going and helping out there. She wound up going kind of like on staff there. She lives in like an attic apartment, you know, on this place. Chrissy and I and Justin have gone out there to visit her, We've had her here. We support her monthly. She's dedicating her, her life right now to seeing people, uh, students on the campus of UMass University, University of UMass come to know Jesus. How awesome is that, right? She's working. She's come alongside that church and that pastor and those people to see others, those who are apart from God, come to know Jesus. She's taken a stand. Now, now recently, uh, the last three weeks, I guess, I do it from time to time, I've told you, but the last three weeks, I really felt to come alongside one of my kids, and I've been taking them. Around 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, I take them out to Antonio's. So I go to this place, Antonio's. Uh, and then after Antonio's, we go to a donut place next door, uh, Glaze. 
If that's closed, if we get past midnight, we go to the cookie place around the corner. It's open until 3 in the morning. But, you know, and while I'm going into this area, I've been thinking of, you know, Megan Berry, this dear young woman who's dedicating herself to seeing these other young people, apart from God, come to know him. Wow. You know, and, and, and I got to tell you, you know, I know there's kind of a knock on these millennials, you know. Uh, they're... They're not uh, ambitious, they're very selfish, they're self-indulgent, they feel entitled. This is what they're saying about you guys, I just want to let you know that. And, and, and some of you really get on it, right? But here we have a young woman who is living out her life large, right? Who's standing, I mean, so just so you know, we've talked, there's 20,000 students at the University of Massachusetts. The estimate, talking to Megan and others, is there are about 200 to 500 students who are Following Jesus. Crazy, right? And I know this because my, my, one of my children are seriously considering attending this school. And, and by the way, academically and in many other ways, it's a, it's a tremendous university. Though, when it comes to people living out their life for Jesus, it's very small. In the midst of all this, here's this young woman. Could you imagine standing firm in the middle of all that and, and, and living out her life to trust in God? And here's what I want you to do. Um, and this morning this came to me. We, uh, we don't often do this. We're going to do it this morning. You know, we just had pastor this, you know, this past month in October, you know, uh, I, don't have, I won't have anybody take offerings from me. I don't do that. I don't want people coming together and talking to each other about giving me money. I don't like that either. So I, we don't have pastor appreciation here. You do take it upon yourselves to give me cards, and I, and, and I love it, and I thank God for it in the letters. I stack them up in, a special, in, my, in, a, in an obvious place in my home. I'll go there. I'm telling you, for like about the better part of 60 days, once a day, twice, I'll go, and I'll take a card, and I'll read it again, and I'll read this other card. It's just uplifting. It's encouraging. I love to read the words and the affirmation and the thanksgiving, and just really to see how God is using this guy, you know, to serve him. It's a big deal, you know? It's like Satan, pop, 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 pop. And I want you to do that for Megan Berry. You know, I want you to, do we have her picture and her, uh, yeah, right there? Okay. Now, you know, once you write that down, some of you, why don't you take your phone out and take a picture of it? Lord, you take pictures of everything else on this earth, take that. Some of you, I know you're going to struggle because you're not taking a picture of you, right? Just, just take a picture of it. And I'd like you to send this dear young woman a card for Christmas with some kind words in it. I'm going to go further. If you're able to, and if you really would enjoy to do this, say enjoy. enjoy. Why, don't you, why don't you send her a financial gift? Why don't you do something for her and really knock her socks off and let her know that truly she is not alone, that there are a, an army of believers at Chair City Church that want to just lift her up and really recognize and thank God for what she's doing to glorify God, yes? So why don't you do that sometime in the coming days and weeks, plenty of time before Christmas, so that we can do that. Because Megan Berry is standing firm in her faith. And you see, that leads us to the, to the last thing, the last point here. See, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's telling us to take a stand so that we can take more ground. So what Megan's doing, Megan's taking more ground, Right? She's taking ground for Jesus. That's what we are called here to do. That's our mission, to see people become followers of Jesus Christ. We are taking ground.
says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. The mystery is how can a guy like Dave Trelongo come to be right with God? How could a guy like me know any peace and any comfort? This is a mystery for which I, Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. Okay, do you get that? He says, I am an ambassador in chains. I'm not a prisoner. I'm not poor. I'm not destitute. I'm not lowly. I'm not, I am an ambassador, a messenger of the one true God in chains. The chains are not me. Circumstances are not me. This is not my identity. I stand firm in the faith of what God has done in me. I am an ambassador here to take ground. Yes? Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Why is Paul telling you to pray that he'll do it fearlessly? Because he has fears. We all do. But if we look at it from a physical place, we will succumb to our fears, which will become anxiety. But if we look at it spiritually, then most, more likely if we pray and seek God, then we will not succumb to those fears. Instead, we will see what God has called us to, to be messengers, to be ambassadors, and to take ground. Get your cleats on. Set your feet to the ground. You notice Paul and all this, now again, he's in chains, tied to a Roman soldier. His fate, his very life is unknown. It could end any day. But Paul is not praying about his problems. He's praying that he's going to take more ground for the kingdom. Could you imagine that in the midst of your most significant problem? Pause, Satan, world, physical realm. I've got to spend some time talking to God about taking more ground, huh? Think uh, that will transform your circumstances. I'm sorry, your circumstances will be your circumstances. It will transform to rise above and transcend your circumstances, right? So that what? Nothing changes, but everything changes. Paul saying, pray, pray, pray meaning stand firm in your faith, take ground. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Prayer is how you engage this battle. Paul is asking to pray that he would get his cleats on, that he would take more ground to build the kingdom of God. We are here to build the kingdom of God because someone close to you is far from God. Do you hear me? Press on. Run your race. That's what Paul is saying. I'm pressing on. I'm running my race to build the kingdom. We're talking about eternity, my friends. Let's break Satan's grip huh? on our lives, on our loved ones. Let's help people who don't know God exist Come to see him vibrantly. Let's begin to truly hold to this, that there is more to this physical world than just what we're seeing, but there's a spiritual world around. Let's get some cleats on. Let's get running. Let's get in the game. Let's get off the bench, right? Think about this question today, right now. Who is near me but far from God? Who is near me but far from God? Bring them in this season. We're going to have our first Christmas Eve service in five years. 
It's going to be the first Christmas Eve service here in our building. Huh? Who is, yeah. Who? And, and, and we will do it large like we do everything else, right? Come on, you know. And then, you know, for our first time we did our trunk or treat event, we had to flip it in and bring it indoors because of the weather. We had a thousand people come in here. Come on. Because you. Because of you. I want to do Christmas Eve Lodge. I want to see a lot of people coming in here, especially those who think God does not exist, those who are apart from God. Bring them in here. Our Christmas service, December 23rd. Wow. We have a blast on our Christmas service, just so you know. You know, and as much as I am not formal, but I'm very serious about my faith, we do not have a formal Christmas service. We just have a blast, fun, worship, God-glorifying time, yeah? So just invite your friends. Today, our teens, and I could have put this before, but our teenagers here, immediately following our time here, are going over to the GCAC, it's the largest benevolence agency in the area, and they're going to assemble and put together like hundreds of Thanksgiving baskets, right? And we've provided those baskets as well, to God be the glory. Hmm? Remember, get off the bench. Remember, God won't bench you. Satan cannot bench you. Only you can bench yourself. Do you hear me? Get in the game. Get up off the bench and take a stand in Jesus' name. Amen.